that life. That's how we live 24 7, 365. Check me. Gas station glasses, don't care what the masses think about me with my sweet goatee. I'm rocking my doctors with a cuff and a crease. I got that St. John's Bay and the clip for my piece. I look nice. I got dozens of dollars and that's right. It goes straight to my daughters and my wife. I'm a miracle dad, making magic with the chip. It's the talent I have. All right, welcome to the Kentucky Dad Podcast. Big Blue Drew here. It's been a minute, so thank you if you're tuning back in. If, if you didn't hear the last two episodes, they're really good. We had Ryan Lemon from Kentucky Sports Radio and one of ASEA Blue's own, James Strebel. So please check those out. Those were a lot of fun, but super pumped for tonight, too. So we're kicking it off Wednesday night. We have John Huang from Nolan Media, Just the Cats. He's got a new book, Kentucky Passion. But I'll let him reel off um, his many accolades. But I'm excited to get to know him a little bit more um, behind the Kentucky scene. So, John, thanks so much for um, taking some time to join the Dad Pod tonight. You're welcome, Drew. Thanks for inviting me on this. I feel a little bit leery, though. You've had a bunch of dads on before me. Is it true that I am the oldest dad by far to appear on the Kentucky Dad Podcast. You mentioned that when I, you know, I gave you the verbal invite in Athens, and I try to think back. I mean, I also feel like you're setting me up for you being a lot older than I'm anticipating you being. So, I mean, I guess you have to share your age now. I'm not going to share my age, but I am going to bring a lot of wisdom and experience to this three-hour podcast. You did say it was three hours, right? I got a lot of information. No, actually, I've got about 15 minutes of good stuff, but I know that most of the people you've had on this podcast uh, have had a bunch of, of young kids. Am I right in saying that? I'm uh, I'm on yeah, here. Some, some old. No, there's definitely, I've had a few older people I actually had um, Landon Young's dad on. So Kentucky offensive line. Okay. All right. Dad, good. They are, good. They are Van Hoos on. He had some older kids and I feel like I'm probably missing a few, but no. And you did mention something, John. I mean this very genuinely, but um, I'm excited to get to know you. Like I said, kind of behind the scenes, because I do feel like you are a very wise person, I think. <laughs> um, and I also like that you're, and I wanted to make a point to mention that I always appreciate that you're, you're, your authentic self um, in a world kind of where a lot of stuff's the same. I can always count on you to kind of come in and um, be yourself around the meeting and stir things up every now and then, which I, well, you're, you're very kind. If that was a compliment, you're very <laughs> kind. Thank you for that. But I'm, I'm on here to give a completely different perspective. I am so far removed from changing diapers mm -hmm. and picking kids up from daycare. I'm here specifically to warn everybody about what happens when your kids start dating, when they go off to college, uh, maybe they get married. <laughs> oh, I can't even. Well, first, could, before we get into anything else, please tell us just a little bit about, I guess, yourself and your family makeup and, and getting to this point where you're past all of those tasks. Yeah, I am an old fart. My wife and I, Kanisa, we've been married now for 37 years. And we have just one daughter, our little girl, who's no longer very little anymore. She went off to college in Southern California, loved it so much that she decided to stay and did not come back to Kentucky. So unless you count our Boston Terrier bingo as a kid, we have been official empty nesters now for the past decade or so. But I think with me being an old guy, it, it kind of validates 
one of the inherent truths about being a dad, and that is it, it really doesn't matter how old you are, Drew. Once a father, always a father. My little girl, Katie, she's always going to be my little girl. It doesn't matter that she's grown into adulthood now. I'll still retain a lot of the feelings I had for her, regardless of whether she was just three years old or 13 years old or 23 years old, I'm still going to always love her as a daughter. Oh, that's beautiful. And you did bring up one of my greatest fears. And I, I talked, actually, I talked to my daughter about this because, you know, we talk about college. She's about to be, a, uh, you know, next year she'll be a freshman in high school. So we're doing all the school showcases and all that. But um, I always tell her, you know, I'm like, hey, if you go, you know, you do decide to go away to college, like I fully support that. But I always know you meet the right person or you get the right job <laughs> or whatever that you ain't coming back. Um, and I, I always tease her. I'm like, well, at least go somewhere cool to visit. And I guess you do have that. But at the same time, it's, it's on the literal other side of the country. It's though. a long way away. You're talking about a 3000 mile treks. So my advice to you and to everybody out there who is considering a college, we're we all want the best for our kids. Yeah, they want Ivy League. We'll find a way to get them to Ivy League. But the practical reality of it is, if you can keep them close, keep them close. My dad, I didn't have much of a choice. When it came time for me to choose where I wanted to go, he gave me three choices. He said, John, you can go to Kentucky, you can go to Kentucky, or you can go to Kentucky. <laughs> he was a university professor at the University of Kentucky. We got okay. in-state tuition and whatever discounts that he had. So I didn't really have a choice. Not only did I go to Kentucky for undergraduate, I stuck around for four more years of dental school and then another three years of my res residency in orthodontics. So I'm completely University of Kentucky inbred, 11 years, staying close. Uh, where, did, where did Katie go to school? She went to USC, fight on Trojans. A lot of tuition dollars went into bad football over there right now. They've been <laughs> struggling. What went into that decision first? So what that was about, you said 10 years or so removed. So what, what come when that says it was it an academic decision, just getting away from home, the weather, what was it? I think so. It was a combination of both. We always traveled a lot when she mm -hmm. was young. We went out to the West coast a lot. I love it out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's not to like other than the occasional earthquake and the traffic and the exorbitant cost of living. It's beautiful right. out there, but she had a, um, uh, it was my wife's brother. Yeah, her uncle. Her uncle went out there to USC to film school, of all things. And we went out there and visited him a few times. And she saw, hey, this is what it's like. Okay, let me go ahead and try it. So mm -hmm. yeah. she did. She went out there with the intent of going to law school. But then she took the LSAT. When it came time to kind of really make the decision, she said, Dad, I, I don't really think I want to do that. So mm -hmm. she went into, uh, uh, of all things, she went into fashion and then started doing her own business. She's had a couple of startups since that time. She's now running a fairly successful wellness company. And like me, like a man after, like a, a girl after her dad's own heart, mm -hmm. she has also become a bona fide author. She has one book out. She's on wow. in the process of, of having her second one published. So Amazing. We're, we're real proud of her. But. Yeah, I bet that's, a, that's amazing. I bet you are proud of her. And I always love to hear stories like that, too, because I feel like, and that was another reason I wanted to ask that, is my daughter it won't be far from there. And everybody really, like, it's like some people go to school, you know, and they kind of just pick the traditional route. They really don't know what they want to do. They get out. They don't maybe even use their degree. They have all that debt. So I like hearing stories like that where, you know, I guess towards the tail end, you kind of really feel 
like you do what you want to do. And it sounds like from her perspective, she kind of uh, became her own boss in many ways, which I'm sure is, um, has a great feeling to it. it. It is so different than the way that I was brought up. We were brought up in a traditional family where you go ahead, you go to college, you get a mm -hmm. degree, you get a job in some company, you get vacation time, a steady paycheck, 401k and whatever. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I guess kids nowadays, they're looking at things completely different, you know, with the internet out there, with doing stuff online, with all this e-commerce. She literally NFT. tells me, yes, exactly. She said, dad, I can make money while I'm in my pajamas. Why do I want to get a real job? Right. And so initially it kind of blew my mind, but I've kind of accepted the fact that this is the way things go. Plus you go out there to the West coast, everybody, all her friends are in film school or, or doing these uh, freelancing jobs. It's not like anybody has a real traditional job uh, that, that I think uh, was the way to go. It's just a new age, completely new, new generation. Good for her. All right, we got John here from Nola Media, Just the Cats, and a, let's go ahead and plug it before we run out of time. Kentucky Passion is your latest book, correct? I know you have several, um, but that is the latest one, right? Yes, it is. It's one of these things that I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to write a Kentucky basketball book. The thing was, the challenge was, there's so many of those books out there. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem was, how could I make this thing really stand out? And I figured, well, I'll just go ahead and apply my experiences, my personal experiences to it. So it's really a, a book from a fan, a die hard, died in the wool, University of Kentucky basketball fan for the past 50 years. Uh, and it's a gift. It's a gift for me to all the other passionate fans out there. So in it, I take what I consider 52 of the most iconic moments in University of Kentucky basketball history. Mm. And it's a great history. It's the program with the greatest tradition in the history of college basketball. So there are a lot to choose from. But what I do is I take what I consider 52 of the most iconic ones, and I try to take the reader with me because I experienced a lot of these situations, not all of them, some of them predated me, but most of them I experienced either firsthand or in real time. So I wanna take that reader with me and experience all those emotions all over again. How did you whittle it down to 52? I have to assume, why, why 52? 52, there are 52 weeks in the year. So ah, it's okay. kind of meant to be read as a devotion type book. Oh, well, okay. I, yeah, what I really want to do, the, the real angle of it is not only do I take readers down memory lane, but I try to make the book inspirational and motivational. So after each one of these sections, for example, uh, in I think it's the first, yeah, the first chapter right out of the gate, I talk about the Mardi Gras miracle where Kentucky was down by 31 points on the road at LSU. Mm -hmm. This was, I think, Patino's 96 team. And they somehow they rallied to win that game. So not only do I talk about all the specifics and Walter McCarty hitting that last second shot to put the Cats ahead, but I follow it up by talking about how even in life, it doesn't matter how big of a hole that you've dug yourself into. It doesn't matter how far against the wall your backs are, that with the right mindset, with the right attitude, with the right teammates, you can rally 
to win this game of life. So I have 52 iconic moments followed up by 52 inspirational messages. So it's a neat book. It's a neat book for families. You can teach your kids about the glorious tradition of, of Kentucky basketball, while at the same time, you can be teaching them these important life lessons like never giving up, of the importance of practice and preparation and discipline, of having good role models and, and mentors. So it's, it's a love letter. It's a love letter for me to you with all these great moments, all these inspirational lessons. I absolutely love the idea of like a 52-week Kentucky devotional book. That is a brilliant idea, especially like <laughs> you said, sprinkling in the devotional uh, you know, aspect of it too. Well done. Um, okay, so John, we typically kind of have somewhat of a format, if you want to call it that. We obviously bounce around a lot, but I um, was looking forward to talking with you because since you've never been on before, we can kind of get back a little bit more to that traditional format. So sure, the first sure. thing um, I was going to ask, I know I always try to prep everyone with is, do you have a favorite TV or movie dad or maybe one that you see yourself in? Yeah, I thought long and hard about this. And a TV dad was was kind of hard to come up with because I was looking for somebody who I enjoyed watching because they had things that were similar to, to me. So I was looking for TV dads with daughters, and there are not quite as many TV dads with daughters as there are with sons. But the one that popped out to me was, I think it was back in the 90s, it was Major Dad. I don't know Major if you're familiar dad. with that. Yeah, yeah. He, Jared McCraney. On, um, on the Dad Pop Twitter page, he's made an appearance. Okay, good. Good for him. Because not only did he have daughters, but he was also in the military. And I don't know if you were aware of it or not, but I spent 10 years in the United States Army. I was a I dentist. I was that. in the dental corps. But no, I, um, it's something that I look back on and I'm, I'm very proud of. So with that joint military experience and the daughter experience, Major Dad was the one that stood out to me. From a movie standpoint, it was a little bit easier. Uh, my favorite is... Robert De Niro and Meet the Parents. Oh. I don't know if that's before your time or not. I don't know. But in it, De Niro plays this alleged ex-CIA officer who is meeting his future son-in-law for the first time. And so he gives Ben Stiller, who plays a son-in-law, the third degree. He really puts him through the ringer. And it kind of just really reminds me of the way that I treated all of Katie's boyfriends when she brought them uh -huh into my household. Now, I didn't hook a lie detector test up to their testicles or anything like that, but I gave him the stink eye. I made sure that they knew that when they're going out with my daughter, there was going to be absolutely no funny business involved. Man, meet the parents. Such a quality answer. You're smoking it so far. That's a great one. I remember the cat's name. It was Jinxie or Jinx or something like that. So that's a great movie, <laughs> yeah. both of them. Especially, I think the second one was adding Dustin Hoffman in. That those are that was quality answer. Quality answer for sure. Good job. All right, thank you, thank you. Right, I'm, keep, I'm rolling now. Let's keep rolling through these so we can hit them. All right, another thing. So usually, again, we record on a weeknight. Usually on the later side, I always try to get around eight thirty. Um, kids up there probably tossing and turning, getting to bed. But the question is, this is a softball. What was the what was your dinner plan tonight? How did you get fed? And I know you're pretty healthy, Ooh, so I was I yes. was interested to hear. Yes, this was a busy day for me. In the morning, I jumped on Cutler and Bennett on Just the Cats, their awesome. brand new show this week. Then of course it was off to the UK men's basketball media day. Mm -hmm. I spent about two and a half hours there. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to get back and cook. I, I usually cook dinner. I'm not a good cook. I'm 
but I do enjoy it. I, I find it relaxes me, but today it was just thrown together. Let's see some, some leftovers. Yeah. With some, some broccoli. I had a little Asian stir fry going celery, okay. carrots, some onions, threw in a little bit of tofu for my protein. And there you have it. Very, very simple. I, I look at, I look at cooking kind of like I do my, my writing. It's something that I enjoy doing where you can, you can project, you can see what kind of final product you want to have out. You get all the ingredients together, you throw everything together, you kind of sequence it in the proper order, and then you serve it out to the people. Some people like it, some people don't like it. But I, I certainly enjoy both cooking and writing. Now, my brother, he's a great gourmet chef. So anytime I want to have some really good food, I can just hop on over to his house. You mentioned tofu. Do you eat? Why you do you eat meat? I do. I do. I enjoy a, a greasy cheeseburger, just like uh, I do with, uh, just like everybody else. But what I found, especially in taking on this media gig, it's it's hard to eat healthy. Very much so. And before this COVID thing, when they served all that buffet food and you know you got the lasagna and the hot dogs and whatever it was hard to turn down if it was there and if it was free i was on it mm -hmm. so i have to find kind of especially as you get a little bit older you have to you have to watch yourself so i try to eat fairly healthy during the week so that i can go ahead and binge a little bit on the weekends but yeah you give me a good steak you give me a pizza you give me a hot dog i'll eat it with you so i say this all the time i'm leaving a weeknight game at rep arena on the way there and halfway back, I'm not going to stop at the Waddy McDonald's. I'm not going to stop <laughs> at the Waddy McDonald's. But like you said, it's, e it's either like you eat a bunch of junk or you don't really get fed at all. You kind of just snack. So it is, is when you're on that, it's, and it's just so easily preventable too. Every time when I'm on that draft starving, I'm like, I could have spent five minutes and, and solved this whole problem because I'm the same. I like to try to eat a little lighter during the week because I know the weekends are going to be like Armageddon. But I'm proud of myself tonight, John. Usually I have an embarrassing dinner plan, especially having the, the younger family that I do. But tonight I got proactive. My wife, my wife has a networking event tomorrow at work. Um, I knew I had a few things tonight, so I got on it. On my break at work, I rode down to Costco, fought the masses. We did a Costco chicken pot pie tonight. Highly recommend those. <laughs> Best twenty dollars you can spend. Lunch. All right. And then, Fantastic. Um, for tomorrow, I got street tacos, and I wanted to mention that because I'm really kind of getting annoyed with everything being a street taco now. Like, can we just go back to tacos? I don't really know what the <laughs> a, a street taco, but I don't know. That's just kind of been bugging me lately. So, but probably got a couple dinners ready. Yeah, that sounds good. Now, now I'm uh, starting to get hungry again. Thanks a lot, Drew. Oh, I def I'm a I'm a very bad midnight snacker. I was just chatting with someone on Twitter about peanut butter and jelly is my is my go to yeah. kind of wake up in the middle of the night or you know really want to go to bed but you're kind of hungry. Do you have one of those go to snacks? I don't really. My my problem is usually just eating too much at at one meal. For example, I went up and I covered the Bengals game the last time they were at home and they put out a pretty impressive spread. There was a big buffet and. You figure, okay, it's there, it's free. You just go back and you get as much as you want. Yeah. And then afterwards, I stuck around, I, I wrote up my story, and then they ended up bringing out pizza. And I'm full. I don't need to eat the pizza, but still, I went and got about three pieces and scarfed them down. So that's, uh, I'm not sure how anybody could have done this for a 40-year career. I'm kind of glad I got in late on, on this because I would have weighed about 3,000 pounds by now. Well, nice transition too. This is a question that lets me know a ton about a person, and it's it's very simple. 
in your weekly routine, let's say, do you drink more soda, coffee, or alcohol? I'm pretty much a water drinker. I, I guess mm -hmm. that might not surprise you. I like water. Mm -hmm. I like tea. I, I do enjoy soda. So I would say if I had to pick from those three, it would be uh, a soft drink, uh, a Coke or a soda, as, as you say. Yeah, I said soda. I don't really know. So I'm so in between on the pop, soda, Coke. I don't know. I feel like throughout my life, there's kind of been a, a phase of all of those. I know everyone always has that discussion. What about coffee, John? You don't drink coffee? No, don't drink coffee. It's something that I think I would really enjoy. I mean, to be able to wake up and smell the coffee. I like the smell. I, mm -hmm. I don't really care that much for the taste, but I think it's something that I could kind of get into a routine where it relaxes me. You got your dog sitting there right, right at your feet, maybe a little drizzle outside. I could see myself getting hooked on a good cup of coffee. Man, I feel like you're really exploring this idea later in life, but you really put the words in, you know, that's what I always say as well, that I almost avoid coffee for that reason, though, because I'm like, not to say it's necessarily bad for you, I guess if you consume it highly, which would be my problem if I fell in love with it. So I've just always <laughs> actively avoided it because if there's, you know, one thing I don't need, it's probably a, a liquid or solid vice. Like I got, I have enough comfort foods and stuff like that. So does mine. I like, I'm back on Dr. Pepper too. If you saw on Twitter today, my size 34s are going to be no more by winter. Because oh, and I'm you won't go with the diet the stuff, right? The diet stuff's no good. Or why drink it if it's, if it's diet? I'd love to, but I just, I just can't get into it. But maybe I can like, I need to start like training myself a little more. Diet Pepsi is always something I could entertain, but no diet. And people like will take a bullet for diet Mountain Dew and diet Dr. Pepper. And to me, those are the worst. Those are just, no. ugh, can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Give give me a diet Dr. Pepper anytime. I'll, I'll take that. All right. I got a, a new question I was going to introduce tonight. And, and what prompted me, this was I, um, I was, the movie Titanic was on and it, it'll make sense in a second. My question is, do you remember when you were, I guess, like growing up, whatever age, your first or a significant celebrity crush? Yes, I, I do. It was, it was Marsha Brady mm. um, uh, on the Brady Bunch, the, uh, the oldest of the daughters. Maureen McCormick was her name. And I think everybody loved Marsha. And mm -hmm. it later turned out that she ended up having some very significant uh, drug problems in her life. So I've always kind of followed her career very closely. And to me, she's, she's still beautiful, even now when I guess she's got to be like in her late 60s. But uh, probably that was my, my first crush. I do remember always tuning into the Brady Bunch. And when they had those magazines that came out, I would always look for her in it and she was in it, then I, I would get a copy. Well, I have to assume that back in the day, Marsha Brady was the jam though, right? Like you weren't the only one sharing that crush. No, I, like I said, everybody <laughs> loved Marsha. It was Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. That, that was it. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, obviously by now you've kind of put the pieces together on mine. I believe Titanic came out in like 97. So I was probably like around 10 turning 11 and we all know the scene with Kate Winslet. So she was by, I had a, a huge crush on Kate Winslet fully. I, I have no problems with this. And it, it's hilarious now that I'm an adult because I actually, I love history, specifically American history. I've always been like just super engaged. My dad would take me to like civil war reenactments and he had let wow. me borrow some of his library. So I love American history. And I got like kind of obsessed with, um, I, I won't say shipwrecks, but specifically the Titanic. And I followed all that stuff. And I saw that movie came on and you know, that's kind of a, a joking one, but I always, um, besides it being like four hours long, 
James Cameron, I always thought that was kind of like cinema at its best. You got a little bit yeah. of everything back then. I always enjoy his movies. I agree. A lot of people said it was hokey, but I'm like you. I really enjoy from a movie perspective. Uh, Katie, my, my daughter was always into all these science sci-fi and she loved Star Wars. I really couldn't get into that. I liked movies that had a historical perspective and base associated with things like the, the right stuff and Apollo 13 and, you know, some of these war movies that came out, Black Hawk Down, Apocalypse Now, those were the ones that I gravitated to. Even, even movies like, like Dick Cheney, I think Christian Bale was played Dick Cheney of all people that came out. I enjoyed watching that one. I didn't see that one. I'll have to check that one out. So yeah, right stuff. I don't think I've seen that one either. I have to, I have to look into all of those because I do, I love, and even sometimes too, I like when, um, even if it's a um, fiction movie, like there's Kong, the movie Kong, when they tie in a little bit of Vietnam stuff in it, I can kind of like spin my head around, hey, this could happen. So I, I just love uh, anytime when you can add, I guess, a little bit of real aspect to a movie or whatever. But moving on, nicknames when you were growing up or even now, do you got any nicknames, John? <laughs> uh, when, when I first moved over here, I, I'm, I was born in Taiwan and I, okay. I came over to the States when I was four years old. And I didn't speak any English when we first arrived. So obviously I, I got made fun of a lot all through grade school and middle school. You know how mean kids can be. They're still mean right now, but they were especially mean back then because there weren't many Chinese people around Lexington, Kentucky during that time. I think I was the only one in my grade school and my middle school and high school. We had a couple other join us, but I don't think they ever really called me any names, but there were some pretty, pretty interesting uh, limericks that, that came out. I, I don't know if I can even say this on the show, but I'm going to go ahead and give it a try. There was one that still sticks out clearly in my mind, and that was this. Uh, John Wong went to Hong Kong to play ping pong with King Kong's ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's funny now, but, uh, you know, that scarred me for life when you think about it. <laughs> oh, man. I, well, if, if nothing else, John, thank you. Having a good laugh about it now, and I think lots of others will, too, because that had me, that had me gone pretty good. <laughs> even though, um, I, and I feel like, too, I, I've heard that, you know, probably not used in the same way, but, man, kids are ruthless. Yeah, you, well, when you throw my name in with it, it kind of adds a little bit of extra oomph associated with it. So, uh, Any other ones? Do you have any nicknames now? No, I, I really don't. Unless somebody has a hidden nickname for me, I can't think of a single one that uh, that I'm called. No, that's hmm. just usually John, Doctor Huang. That's, that's it. That's surprising to me for a few reasons. One, because your name's John, so you know, usually sometimes you get people over the time I add a little flair. And again, and I genuinely, genuinely mean this because I feel like we're a bit similar in this aspect. Like you always bring your genuine self, whether it's fashion, the stuff that you say, the stuff that you do, you're really your authentic self. So, but I guess, Hey, that makes sense. Then you're just John. Yeah, that's, that's it. Uh, I guess you have to stand out in other ways other than your name. Well, as, as someone who's, who's sentimented, big blue drew, I don't know if I can totally agree with you on that. Cause we often, <laughs> we often laugh that that's about all I have going for me, but I'm okay with that too. I'm Andrew Brown. So I've always had a common name. I try to get my taxes done early, um, being someone that works in finance. Like I don't be having no, uh, no thieves out there booking my stuff up. So I've always, uh, but I've always had a ton of nicknames. Obviously, well, that's a that's an extremely clever name. So kudos <laughs> to you for for, for <laughs> thinking of it and, and sticking with it. 
Well, it just jogged my memory on something. I think uh, we were actually talking about this in Athens, actually. It was, it was us that, w- that were talking about this, just how difficult it is. And shout out to anybody. I know people hit me up all the time. I'm perfectly fine with it because somebody was nice and helped me at one point. But when people are trying to do Kentucky anything startups, whether it's a blog, a podcast, a book, a radio show, just thinking of the name at this point where we're at 2021, I mean, you better be on your alliteration game because it's, they've pretty much all been taken. Yeah, that's that's going to be a real challenge. It's a story in my life. I'm always about six months late into getting into to anything. So you you name it, I'm usually there late. I'm there, but I'm there late. So that's, yeah, don't buy any that's Bitcoin. what you have to deal with. Yeah, don't exactly. buy Bitcoin today. That's my <laughs> advice today with Alta because I've been on the other end of of all that stuff too, for sure. But all right, a little tougher question now. This is more like a, this is more of a fastball. Um, do you remember your last good cry? Yeah, no, that's actually easy. I, I don't know if you were aware of it or not, but my dad passed away last month, September 11th was, uh, wow. was when he died. And, and he was 93 years old, so he, he didn't suffer. He, he, it went relatively quickly. He died in the comfort, surrounded by family. He lived with my brother, who's just down the street. So I okay. ended up seeing him every day. But on the other hand, he's still your dad. So there's a level of, of grief that that is just kind of pretty pervasive throughout all this time. And it was just, just uh, yesterday, I think, uh, when I was thinking about how I needed to take the newspaper over to him for him to read. I'm one of the few people who still subscribes to the print version of the Herald Leader, mainly because he liked to read it after I got through with it. So I was thinking yesterday, yeah, I need to take this over to my dad. And then suddenly I realized that, no, he's, he's not there anymore. He's not going to need to read this paper. So brought out a few, uh, a little bit of sentiment, uh, a little bit of Niagara Falls, just, just thinking about him. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's going to be tons of, of memories that'll jog stuff like that. And I do remember seeing, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. And gosh, I feel like it was longer ago than last month that I remember, um, you know, seeing you and your your brother's post. So Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we always took pictures. And, and that's the thing, because he was around, I saw him so frequently that he really became a part of our daily routine. So when you get that daily routine taken away, I think it hits you a little bit more than if maybe he were 600 miles away or I only saw him on holidays or only saw him during his last few days. This was, this was different. And, and he was such a great guy. I mean, left such a wonderful legacy that you, my brother put together a little pictorial, uh, of all the photos that we took. And you know, Michael, he took a lot of photos Mm -hmm. and it just really brought back a lot of memories. So anytime I look at that, I'll, I'll give you a good cry anytime. I bet. And man, he did a hell of a job because you and your brother are, you know, both wildly successful, great people, always been nice to me. So um, definitely did something right. And I'm I'm sure he's, uh, we talk a lot about, it was actually one of the questions and you already kind of knocked it out was just father figures in your life and, you know, to get you to this point. And I'm seeing something similar. My grandfather just went into a nursing home and really hit, hit me hard, Zombie. you know, not only for my own family's grief, but a lot of ways, others just seeing how difficult it is in those situations with COVID. Um, yeah, that's exactly. something I've never really put my shoes in. Um, I did have a friend in the hospital early on and I know that was tough because only his mother could be there and it was a tough situation. Like couldn't even tag in or out, but you know, there's been 
you know, we, oh, we promise grandpa we'll see as much as we can. And then, you know, they'll have a COVID case and, you know, can't come in for two weeks. So that's yeah. been really tough and um, very similar to you. We kind of see them a lot and all the time. So to who I just really try as much as I can. I always try to remember that's going to be me one day and to really be nice to people and, and try to live each day for the best. But I know I fail a lot. I was yelling at the kids earlier. So yeah. you trip and fall, but you just got to keep moving, I guess. You got to savor those good times, Drew. I mean, you, you're – I look at you and I, I, I see myself 25 years ago and I remember people always telling me at the time, man, you got to enjoy it because kids are going to grow up fast. Your life is going to just whiz by. And I'm kind of nodding and saying, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And sure enough, you know, you look at the timeline of, of your life and it really does go by in a blink. You know, we really are a mist that appears for a little while and then just vanishes. It goes by that quick. So savor the moments, enjoy the good times, really revel in, in being a dad and teaching your kids and establishing a legacy of what you want them to become. Well said. That's real stuff right there. I, I, one day I'm going to do it too. And I, I've probably said this before on the dad podcast, but there's going to be in a day I get in the car like my normal routine. And I just don't stop till I get the Yellowstone or something like that. And I'm just going to, I'm dying to go to the Northwest. And I think about that all the time too. It's like, man, you know, it, life is really so short depending on the way that you're looking at it. And I know that, um, and I, I really am trying to do a better job in, you know, getting into my mid thirties with work-life balance. Like I'm kind of, um, you know, for, forcing some of that with moving into banking and things like that. So that's important to me because I know, um, you know, won't, they ain't going to bury me with all that money. So I have to try to enjoy it while I can. Yeah. And it's hard for a lot of people to do in the heat of battle when those bullets are flying and you're in the midst of trying to build a career. It's, mm -hmm. it's difficult sometimes to be able to prioritize, but you know, there are some things that you just know inherently are more important than others. And your kids and your family are certainly up at the top of the list. For sure. All right. Well, man, you you brought the wisdom. That's for sure. Wide work. You're going to be back on definitely, John. You you need to be probably hosting this thing. To be honest, that was that was great stuff all around. Yeah. What what not to do, right? I've got a whole list of what not to do, right? All right. So we'll kick off dad jokes, and I think I might have forgot this last week with Strebel, and I forgot that Strebel his nicknames. I think, which I feel like he oh. would fun. I can't remember if I asked him or not. Um. So they weren't very good, I guess. If I did. All right, but I did. Um, I mentioned a couple couple episodes ago. Um, a good a friend of mine, former coworker, sent me a book of dad jokes because he said ours were so bad, even though a lot of these are worse. And I <laughs> promise that I'm just gonna like scroll through. It's about 200 pages, and just just stop and pick one. So here we go. Hope it's not explicit. Oh God. I took the shell off my racing snail, thinking it would make him go faster, but instead now he's more sluggish. No. Ah. <laughs> Not as expected. Um, all right. Um, I'll, I'll do mine and you can, you can finish it off, John. All right. Let's see. Which one did I steal this from? Here we go. All right. Long ago, there was a king who stood only 12 inches tall. He was a terrible king, but made a great ruler. <laughs> That's ah, actually okay. one of my favorite ones. Up rock. This is a good one. I like that one. Yeah. They're, they're big on these puns, aren't they? Yeah. That's pretty much all it is. The lamer, the better, John. All right. Bring the heat. I, I really had a difficult time coming up with one because I'm not a real natural joke teller, but the listeners may know by now that I am full-blooded Chinese and my wife is from Thailand. So here's a joke. So why can't our daughter be Caucasian? <laughs> why? 
because two Huangs can't make a white. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, my man, that was, that was so good. Oh my god! All right, I, should I just quit I, right I, now? I should I quit while I'm ahead. Right? I, I prepare my fake <laughs> laughter a lot of times for this, but. Man, that was good. That was really good. Good one. We got to, uh, you, you got to, you killed it today. If also you didn't see today, check out um, Twitter and stuff because you actually asked Coach Calipari today about what swaggy cow means. Yes, yes. And of course, man. of course, he played totally dumb. Like he's never heard that before. Oh, yeah, right. Which in right, essence sure. was swaggy. So <laughs> we got a, a lot going for us. We can maybe just one second, John, if you want to tell us about your vibe for Media Day today because. Cal didn't do his normal. Don't forget we're young. Why would, why the heck would he play Duke first? He sounded ready to go. Mentioned they didn't have a bad practice. And um, normally he's really laying the groundwork for a slow start. He is. But when you really play it all back and kind of analyze it, he spoke a lot. There were a lot of words coming out of his mouth. <laughs> his lips moved a lot. But if you were really looking for true nuggets, I think maybe you could have counted maybe two or three of them during the right. whole time. He talked about being energized, about the guys really enjoying being coached. Uh, he talked about the veteran leadership, which it was interesting because he's not going to have that excuse of, of we're young anymore, especially this year. But on the other hand, he did caution everybody about possibly having a slow start so we're going to have to be patient he also talked about nil uh, that kentucky that players aren't going to come to kentucky strictly because of nil but you better have your act together you better be flexible you better be willing to accommodate them he kind of bragged that there were 10 guys who already had nil contract he talked, let's see, he talked about uh, starters and finishers. He talked about this isn't communism. We've heard all that stuff before. Uh, he talked about his legacy that uh, he wanted national championships. He would love to win five national titles, but his top priority is to help young kids get better. And that's the goal. And I kind of believe him. I guess if he says it enough times, I'll, I'll actually believe him, but that was basically it. He took 45 minutes to say it. I took about 45 seconds. Thank you very much. Yeah, we know how that goes, though. Cal's going to get to where – get what he wants to get to. But I think I, I was enjoyable, I think, to see a lot of the players, um, you know, kind of – it brings out, I guess, a little bit of them, not even too much, but kind of gets them used, I guess, kind of seeing the media and getting used to talking to them. But blows my mind, man. We're now, I think, 20 days from the Champions Classic in – it always gets lost in translation, especially with a historic football run like this. But let's really put this in perspective, Dad Pod listeners. We're talking Kentucky, Duke, Coach K's last season, probably his last time coaching against Kentucky in Madison Square Garden to open the season um, with a brand new team as usual, but even, even newer than ever. So um, I'm really, really excited about that. And you're going to start having the, the national folks in about 10 days. It's probably all you're going to be seeing is Champions Classic commercials. I'm hype. Yeah, did I hear you correctly in saying that you were going to try to get up there to New York, or did oh, I hear, hear differently? Are you going to be? I've been, John. I've been. If there was one thing on my mind throughout COVID, um, as far as like, you know, things that I would not want to see taken away, it was waiting on this, the 2021 Champions Classic. I knew it was probably going to be tough for 2020 because I was there in 19, one of the greatest experiences of my life. That was amazing. So I'm pumped. It's only going to be my like third time in New York City, but once it was just in and out. I think the wife's going to go this time. So, yes, I will be there. And I believe you said you're going to be there too, right? 
I will be there. I'll be there with bells on. Now, the interesting thing is I've got to, uh, right after the game, I got to try to fly out of there because I am going out to California to see my daughter uh-huh. and to actually officiate a wedding of Whoa. my cousin. Yeah, it's, uh, I've never done that before. So I'm a little bit nervous about that. So I've got Krzyzewski and Calipari <laughs> one day, and then the very next day, a couple of days later, I'm going to be marrying my, my cousin. How great is that? Life is good, isn't it? I don't know. Hopefully no one cuts out this out of context and just cuts out the marrying my cousin part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's, uh, I'm going to trust you with this soundbite. All Especially right? like as many times as you said Kentucky and just bleeding, bleeding Kentucky. I could, I could really probably splice up something good there. Oh, but, uh, man. All, all right, right, man. So just, I owe you now. A- absolute blast, John. You're the man. I really appreciate it. Please make sure, um, I'm sure John will be making his appearance on the newly minted um cat what is it is it just the cats radio i don't want to say it wrong yeah it's actually cutler and bennett on just the cats so it's a it's a brand new show this is just the first week the way those two guys have been bickering back and forth with each other i'm not sure it's going to last longer in the week but (laughs) uh hopefully hopefully they'll find a little bit of equilibrium between them but interesting show i encourage everybody to tune in check out our website justthecats.com we've worked real hard with it to kind of boast up its content and so I'd appreciate any, any visitors to, to that. Nobody hypes up 96.1 and 1450 AM harder than Big Blue Drew. I love Kentucky Roll Call. You got TJ and Nick. Um, Mike Rutherford and Trevor have been hilarious. I don't know if you've listened to any of them, but I catch yeah, them on my I, way I home. Uh-huh. And they, they genuinely do crack me up. I'll share that um, the, the couple of months ago, I think Mike Rutherford said doing radio with Trevor was like dragging a stroller with the wheels locked through gravel. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yikes yeah uh, nails on a chalkboard they just seem like a match made in hell and i, I love it so you you maybe maybe uh ben and color are the same way i haven't had a chance to listen to them and i don't know either of them very well john you'll have to help me um, getting to know both of those guys a little better yeah, because yeah. I, well, I know they're both legends in their own respects. Well, I'll, I'll introduce you uh, firsthand and then uh, we'll we'll get you we'll get you hooked up. All right. Sounds good. Well, thanks again, John. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, go check us out um, at Kentucky Dad Pod on Twitter. You can check out the podcast at all the places that you um, you look for your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that. Same as usual. Anybody drops a good review and shoots me a message, I'll shoot you a Nick Richards rookie card. No one ever does it, so probably none again this week. All you got to do, leave a review. Shoot me a message on Twitter at BigBlueDrew33. Come on, we need... We need some some reviews. Yeah, and also check out Kentucky Passion. Available wherever fine books are sold. You can get it online, Amazon, so forth. All right. We appreciate it, John, and we will check everybody next time. <laughs>